Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Ironcast. The Ginger Pele is here once again. I'm Chris Skoll and joining us, without doubt, for me, one of the greatest West Ham United-related raconteurs in history. Raconteurs, what's that? (laughs) Big word. I'm looking forward to this. Welcome, Tony Gale. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Ginge. It's going to be a good one, this. You've got a book out called That's Entertainment. Yeah. Well, and it I've is, just flicked through it. Football's supposed to be entertainment, and uh, what my life after that's been entertainment as well. So I thought it was a, or they thought it was a great title. They, they said that was a title after reading it. Not my choice, but I think it's. good. Oh, what was your choice? Oh, they went with all the normal crap, didn't they? Uh, Gal Force Six, Gal Force, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But a bit of Paul Weller on the front. That's good. Isn't nice. Your of all your ex teammates, I think the best autobiography title goes to Mark Ward from left wing to H wing. <laughs> Very good. B-Wing. Oh, B-Wing. B-Wing. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Um, but, but younger fans would know you best, I would say, as a, as a commentator of the, the, modern, the modern era. And obviously, you've got a lot of West Ham allegiance. And I can't help but notice, you always seem to get West Ham games to commentate on. In an era when most commentators don't get the teams they're affiliated with, how have you managed it? Oh, well... It's, if it ain't West Ham, it's Fulham. So I tend to get tend to get the two. And it's quite good that they don't coincide with each other very often on home matches. But the producer is, is very kind. In the the first days when I was doing it, match choice, football choice or whatever it's called, and PLP, it goes around the world. So you was going up to Old Trafford, Anfields. But then they started to regionalise it in the last five, seven years. And uh, I've tended to get a lot of West Ham games, which I love doing. I absolutely love it. I still get coated by the West Ham fans. Oh, you don't, you don't like us. You don't like us. But it's, that's the thing. Doing, you've, doing, <laughs> you've done it for so long. It, it must yeah. be hard not to show a bit of allegiance to West Ham when you do it. Do you find it hard? Or do it, you try it, and... it, particularly when we're losing, you know, <laughs> and that, that, that's the one that does your head in, isn't it? You know, you know, you think you want to make the changes yourself, didn't you? Like yeah. we all do when we're sitting yeah. in the press box or supporting the club or whatever. But uh, no, I mean, it's been brilliant. Last couple of seasons has been terrific, hasn't it? Oh, what what a treat. It's funny you say West Ham fans kind of criticise you for be, appearing to be anti-West Ham. I listen to your commentary and think, oh, Tony, you're pushing it a bit here. You're being too pro-West Ham, if anything. And, and the worst one is, Chris, when you go, we, and you think, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> I do it all the time. I, I, do it, I do a little bit now for the radio bits and bobs, and I always say, us or the gaffer. 
yeah, when yeah. I'm doing, like, meant to be impartial. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's playing for West Ham. Like, you, you'll yeah. probably see it yourself as soon as you're involved with the club. You feel like you want to like whoop, rewind. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I was just flicking through the book. You have such nice things to say about commentating legend, legends like Brian Moore, like Martin Tyler. Your forward is by Jonathan Pierce. You have worked with so many commentating like royalty. It's been. What a career. Well, Jonathan was my mentor because, uh, first of all, you do radio like Ginger's doing now. And then I was doing that for seven years. So we did seven years, Capital Gold. So I was doing loads of West Ham games because Capital Gold was London. Mm. So, But it was Arsenal and Chelsea that were in the Champions League at the time. So we were travelling all over the world. And I'd done um, every England international for seven years and every final from the amateur final through to the World Cup final with Jonathan, alongside Jonathan. And he told me when to basically, like Ginger's finding out now, if you're on radio, you've got to shut up at a certain time when the ball's yeah. getting near the penalty area and things like that. And uh, But radio was, Jonathan always said, painting pictures. You've got to paint pictures. You know, if it's a crap game, you still have to make it yeah, out yeah. because you've got to keep people on air. But then when the transformation came to TV, you've got to let it breathe because the pictures are showing what's happened and... You know, you have to know when to cut off and it, it does my head in when I hear some of the co-commentators talking too much. Shut up. I think when you're doing it, you, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think when you're doing it, you feel like you've got to though. And mm. like you say, I don't think I'll ever progress with, to television, to be honest, with a face like mine. Tone's obviously <laughs> face for radio. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you will, I, Jim, you've, you I, you've done it for so long. It's, you know, it's not easy. And was it a natural progression, Tone? Did you? Did you ever think about coaching or was it always good well, to go into I, the Well, I thought about coaching. I finished, uh, I went from Blackburn to Crystal Palace. That don't hardly sort of get a mention really, but I broke my ankle like 36 years of age. So spent the whole season, played three games for Palace mm -hmm. and then I had to pack it in. Took a bit of insurance money, but then Dev rung me up, Alan Devonshire, would I come and play a bit of non-league? So I was doing a little bit of radio work and I thought, oh, that do. So I thought, I went down there and I thought, I said to Dev, no, I can't do this. Like Premier you know, it's me and Prem, I can't do this. Like, people are going to kick lumps out of me, even though I was a centre-back. Yeah. But, but you get so much respect out of people out of non-league, it's unbelievable. You know, and it went the other way, and I loved it. Did it for 15 months with him. And then John, and I got a sort of few offerings of lower league management, but I've got to be honest, I got twice as much doing the radio than I did if yeah. I'd have taken over at a low level. And if you get the wrong club, like a couple of my ex-teammates have done, if you get the wrong club first time in your career, you're going to management. That's it. If you mess it up, you ain't going to get another chance. But I'm glad I stayed with stay with the radio. The, my first gig was France, 98. Brilliant. I heard, I spoke to Jonathan Pierce the other week and he told me this story that when you were recording the commentary for France, 98, I think maybe it wasn't, he told me the story. It was a World Cup, I'm sure. And you had a feed from the stadium that had the crowd noise. And the feed from the stadium, the crowd noise was slightly ahead of the pictures. Yeah. And it led to you making a few psychic predictions because. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you said you were right for right. you, you came across like the world's greatest co cop. <laughs> yeah. And I, I used he to, is. Uh, Pierce used to say to me, no, 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 no you've got to do it. Like, don't forget there's a delay and everything. I go, wouldn't surprise me if they score you. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like, yeah. yeah. You and Jonathan Pierce in, in the 90s, Capital Gold especially, this is in the days before kind of internet and streams, you were, the, this is how most West Ham fans, especially if West Ham were away from home, would hear about the games. And it was a golden, really golden era, that kind of Capital oh, Gold. Oh, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, my dad was a London taxi driver. So really I had the taxi driving nation following me on Capital Gold because Capital Gold was the biggest station in London. Um, but a commercial station that is, you know, obviously you had the BBC and everything, but it wasn't until TalkSport 
came into the equation that the the rights came up, blew all the rights issues out the water, and then I trans transferred over to TV. But the radio was by far my best, and you know that's where my heart is with the radio. I, I it's think with it, I, yeah. I do it occasionally, to, not not on Tony's level, but I think you can sort of get your point across better on the radio as well. I think we spoke about it before. I think yeah. you can because you it's your opinion and you're seeing what you're seeing, and you, you sort of. You get more chance to say to speak. You get more chance to speak, and you can get it across better on the radio as well. So, yeah. and you could also tell a few fibs, couldn't you? Yeah. If Piercy was sitting there, like, and he was going, "Oh, what a great player this Fabregas is," and I was going, "Nah," he's, <laughs> I'm just saying like that, you know, <laughs> like doing your facial expressions across yeah. to each other, you know. And he's going, "Am him up," you know, "Am him up." <laughs> uh, but I loved it. Yeah, and it's not just radio. Obviously, you're known for hosting live events and a fantastic after dinner speaker. And for many years, you've been doing live Q and As with West Ham legends from all eras. And I wondered who was. You must have done hundreds, if not thousands, of these after-dinner events. Who's your favourite person to do a Q&A with? Who are the, the top <sighs> ones you love doing? That always... Blimey. Well, he's just started, Ginger. I mean, he's good. He's, I've done uh, a few. I'll tell you, he's good. And I've just done some with Coley as well, Colton. Yeah, yeah. And Colton's terrific. And uh, seeing Colton starting out on telly, and like Colton's, any advice, Tone? Be yourself, Colton. Oh, yeah. I'm not Be sure yourself. that's great advice to Colton. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. like, you know, you don't want to try and be yeah. someone. And he's got such a lovely way about him, as has Ginge when he's doing the radio. So just be yourself. And I watched Colton like, oh, his first one, it made me laugh when he was on BT with Joey Cole. Yeah. And I think, I want him to do so well. And I think, Colton, you know, don't say this, don't say that. Like, you know, looking at him. And I was telling you, Ginge, when I, yeah. and he's talking about Declan Rice. So the the lady who was doing it, she says, oh, about Declan Rice, you know, you know, what, what does he do for West Ham, Colton? And he starts off really well, doesn't he? And I'm thinking, don't do any long words, Colton. Please, <laughs> please don't do any long words. So he starts off, he goes, oh, yeah, he comes in, gets the ball off the back four, gets on the half turn a little bit better. Distribution is good, provides a great sc a screen in front of the centre-backs and then tries to put the long word in. He, sa he said, in fact, he's everything that's detrimental to West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Instrumental, <laughs> oh, Coley, one of my favourites. But I, I'll say about it, I've done, I've probably done five or six, yeah, maybe, probably a few yeah, more. Oh, he makes it so easy. Like we say, how good he is. You do, Tom. I've never actually said it yet. It's they're such good nights, and I, I think they, I think with me and Coley coming in, I think they're good. Tom, like I said, Tony helps us out, unbelievable. But I think they're good for the fans because I don't think there's a lot of, not for any choice, any thought of the, the current players, sort of. Uh, no fault of theirs. There's no sort of interaction with fans and and, and players as there used to be. You know, we uh, Tony more probably than me. We used to be out and about, so you could chat to fans. So the, the nights Tony does, they're, they're brilliant because you fans actually get to ask us yeah. questions and we can tell stories. And and for whatever reason, you know, they they don't really get that with the current. And out of the current crop, him and Colton, you know, have gone and done it, and and they realise that you know you got to go out there to the fans. You got to get out there. You got to associate with the fans. Because we are fans, yeah, as exactly. Well. Yeah, you know, and we're just reporting on the game. But when you get out there with them, I mean, it's brilliant, and they're doing terrific. The pair of them, yeah. Like we like we said, you've done almost every major kind of West Ham player. But I wondered if is there any kind of Q and A that you haven't done with a, an ex West? Is there one player that you wish you could have done a live event with that you never got the chance? to? Oh, what a good question that is, Chris. I did one recently, actually. At a, the pub that me and Ginge frequent quite a bit. <laughs> uh, quite a bit. The Dog and Pickle. It's more of a restaurant. I'll, I'll, it's give a it, restaurant. I'll give him a plug here. The Dog yeah, and Pickle. Yeah. The, well, he won't like us calling it a pub, will he? It's a pub it's restaurant. It's a restaurant. <laughs> Gastro. 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 Yeah, that's no, lovely. And I've uh, done Gaza. I've done Gaza. I always, you know, I played against Gaza. 
and all that. And I thought, oh no, like I hope he don't start misbehaving. But then I, when I sat down with him, I went, look, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that. Oh, you know what he's like, Paul. He's a little bit, you know, switchy and everything. But he was terrific. Absolutely, what a what a lovely bloke. Yeah. Have lovely you done bloke, any yeah. that you thought? Like they were quiet when you were playing with them or ex-players, but you got them in front of the mic and, and taking questions and you were speaking to them. They they came out with something different. They were a bit livelier than you thought they were going to be. Oh, I've had so many nervous ones, Have you? you know, but you're like, you know, I remember doing Jack Collison. I said, you got any funny stories, Jack? And he went, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got one. And he went, no. <laughs> but another great lad. But then yeah, you, yeah. what you wanted, you don't, you don't want funny stories all the time. They want insight. And Jack was coaching with the uh, juniors at the time. Yeah. So they want a little bit of insight into the coaching streams and things like that. And Colton, what he's doing, a bit of, I don't know what he's doing, is he? Mentoring. You know, but, and, and Coley's got some good stories. And like, I used to, I tend to say to him, right, you've got to finish out with a punchline. And and now he's starting to get that in as well. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. And they're, they're quite natural as a pair of them. Yeah. They'll be doing it together. They'd be blowing me out. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it without you. It. Well, let's wind the clock right back long before after dinners, like right at the very start of your career. 16 years old playing for Fulham. And is, you already had a bit of a West Ham connection there because obviously Bobby Moore's in the team. You're basically there to kind of pr replace him. You were the understudy. Yeah. I mean, just watching him train every day. I mean, I know your hero uh, was at the time, Ginge, but Bobby was my hero, you know, and like having won the World Cup, came over from West Ham, played in the 75 final, and then I'm there the next season after that. I'm just sort of going around as a junior, in and around it, training in the summer, then your apprentice. And then after Bobby, we signed George Best and Rodney Marsh. And you think, wow. And you think this is like, this is going to be the rest of your life. Yeah. But it was only like for 18 months, you know, yeah. that they were there. But, and also, you're not in the top division, are you? Then? No, we like, was in the division? well, Division Two, the Championship. Yeah. We was yeah. in the Championship, but it was like a travelling circus. They go pre-season trips, you know, all of a sudden, because they, you know, get a few quid off of different people to go over to Scandinavia, playing five-a-side tournaments, a quick game over here, quick game over there, and we were just going everywhere. And as apprentices, we were taking the skips. Yeah. And I, I, on the pitch, I learned a lot. I learned a lot off the pitch. <laughs> I didn't know whether to start you off on the stories off the pitch because I think they'd probably be longer than the football stories. Oh, no, but going back to Bobby, do you remember? Do you remember any like words you had with him or any advice he could give? He gave you or just not really? Because I I tend to, although I've got a lot to say for myself now, I didn't then because I was a seventeen year old kid. Mm. You know, as an apprentice, and so you speak when spoken to. But what happened was the guy who was in charge of the apprentices realised I was going to be the next one up the step up and they'd already had that plan for me. So Bob lived in East London. I lived in West London. So we had to go home my way. And then again, when he had treatment in the afternoon, he'd say, you can go home early today. Bobby's going to give you a lift. Oh, and I was like, wow. oh, you know, yellow jag, you know, like getting a yellow jag, beat a Mex cassette, Tom Jones records in, 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 the, in the car, going along like, you know, opening the window. So I, I, I was, like pooping myself I didn't want to talk to him you know I just sit there and he said oh you like this record you like that record what you got to do you know in training you do this you do that and I'm thinking I hope someone recognises me <laughs> please stop at the lights please stop at the lights but I used to get him to drop me off at Looper Street where was my housing estate council wow. estate and all my mates who were sort of out of work at the time I, I knew where they hung about around this time oh, drop us here drop us yeah. here I'll get out <laughs> brilliant and they'd all go it's probably more there isn't it 
Bobby didn't see you hear in the morning, it. Bob. See you. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Never spoke all the way to him. <laughs> just, but all you got to do, and he'll tell you, when you're around good players, just look, learn, yeah. listen. Yeah. What about you? So when you eventually get in the first team, they give you his number six shirt. Yeah. Talk about pressure. I'll tell you what, though. I don't know, you know, with the football kits now, like it's like football in currency, isn't it? Oh, can you get me a signed shirt? Can you get me a match shirt? Can you get this? Can you get me that? Well, you only had two shirts in a season. You had a short sleeve and a long sleeve. And being an apprentice, can you imagine if I'd have kept Bobby's last shirt when he signed off away at Blackburn? And Georgie Best's last shirt and Rodney Marsh's. Do you know what they done? They given the local teams. Yeah. You know, like, what, I remember the, the Adidas get, strip. Yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they used to go, oh, oh that's all done with. Because it wasn't like that then, was it? Course, the signed yeah. shirt and everything yeah. like that. But, oh, can you imagine it? But I kept that. You could have had, yeah. Hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but that was the six shirt I took over from Bob. The, yeah, the six. Yeah. And talk about different times. There's a, a bit in the book you mentioned when you're an apprentice and they say to you, right, Tony, today you've got to clean the floodlights. Oh, yeah, that was, we had a, well, it's a bit of a Torrey Tower our, um, groundsman who was in charge of the apprentices. He was a bit of a bit of a boy, and he used to be a bit, a bit of a bully. So, if the manager had really found out, he'd or oh, HR would have had a field day with him. Yeah. Now. Was it HR then? Oh, I was going to no. say. <laughs> no. Do you know what? It's not that I, I did. The, I was probably the last to do the old YTS, I think. And we yeah. we were doing stuff like that, Ninian Park, Cardiff, sweeping the stadiums and yeah, lights yeah. and stuff, yeah. cleaning so the carses. Not cleaning the cars. Yeah, cleaning the cars is in the I, My job was, I remember it, my job was cleaning the first team dressing room, staff boots, and sweeping like one of the terraces. That's it, yeah. And, and then the manager would have to come around and check it. And if it wasn't good enough, he'd keep there, keep doing it till the manager, like the youth team manager, would go, Colin Pascoe it was. Yeah, that's all right. You can go on now. We used to paint the barriers. You know the barriers we yeah, used to stand on? Yeah. Like used to have to paint the yeah. barriers. And yet, like on a Saturday, sometimes, like if the people hadn't been in to clear the ground up, you had to get all the litter. Get all the rubbish out, And yeah. sweep it all down the bottom. So we had this good idea one day. Tony Money, who was a, still is a mate of mine, apprentice. So what we do, we won't, we'll burn it. Well, we nearly set the place set, you set the stadium on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Do you look at the kids these days, like the like the, the youth team, and think, "Oh, you don't know how lucky you've got." It must. I think it. Think it'd annoy me. I, I don't think that, but I think they would be shocked if they went back. <laughs> like, I I probably had it good compared to tone. If they yeah. went back to sort of an era of tones on mine, they would be shocked. What what was we were doing? I wouldn't. Like the have, I wouldn't have swapped a minute. I wouldn't swap a yeah. minute. No, because it. It teaches you how to be grateful. Yeah. You know, when you do it, eventually get in the first team and you're earning a few quid. Like they're earning bundles now, the boys, but just a little bit of ground in yeah. here and there. You know, they're 16, 17 now, and well, 17 when they're getting their cars and their first car. Mine was a full Capri. That, and that was good yeah. then. Mine was, now, a, mine was a Peugeot 309. They're probably getting Bentleys now, yeah. Ginge. <laughs> Peugeot, per, mine was a Peugeot 309, true story. The body was like maroon colour and the boot was white because I was living in Newport and someone put the back window for him. and I couldn't afford to get a new one so I just went to scrap you and got a, got well, a white one. was yellow with a black sunroof like, and it had really wind it open like that. You know? I could see the boys in that now. To be and I took it in first day. I thought I was the, the nuts. I took it in the first day and um, where we trained at the Bank of England, lovely sports ground. So you come out the exit and it was a, there was nothing to the right. It was a dead end. But so... It was the only traffic coming from the left, so like come out like that. Someone's come from the dead end, didn't they? I've gone right into the side of them. Two police cadets. How's <laughs> your luck? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> 
You've watched the Lionesses' incredible run to the FIFA Women's World Cup final, and from October, they will be on your doorstep, taking on the Hammers. Dagnum is the place to be this season as our squad filled with homegrown stars and world-class players such as Australia goalkeeper Mackenzie Arnold will come up against the current crop of Lionesses and FIFA World Cup players week in, week out. With more World Cup players than any other league, the WSL is the place to watch the best in the world. Season tickets for the new campaign start from as little as £4 per game and with very little crossover with the men's game, you can support both Iron Sides this season. Buy now at eticketing.co.uk forward slash WHUFC. So 1984, you finally joined West Ham. I wondered, um, yours went to a tribunal, didn't it? Yeah. And you had, you had a choice of West Ham or Chelsea too. Yeah, came knocking on the door same day because it was just when this, not it wasn't freedom of contract, but Fulham hadn't realised my contract had run out. See how stupid it is. I was going to say. So all of a sudden, if they don't make me an offer of better wages than what I was on, I'd have become a free transfer. So it went right to the last moment. Then they realised and they started making me an offer better than, you know, what I already had. But I made my mind up because we missed promotion the year before, the season before I left, sorry. Uh, just missed out on the last day against Derby County. And then the next year, it was like all regrouping. And I was 24, played about 300 odd games. And I thought, oh, I'm hanging about for another team to be done. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then I got away and it was it was a real choice, Chelsea or West Ham. And it was the manager that turned me head, John Lyle. You know, wow. it was brilliant. And what, Chelsea was on my doorstep. My family were Chelsea fans. Yeah. And I went to West Ham. Would wow. you have had a, like an agent back then, Tom? Do you have to, no, like I didn't. transfers back then? Would it all been done family? Was it? I suppose. Or, well, some, or was it... some some people had agents, Ginge, but no, I didn't. Oh. It probably cost me a few quid. I wish I did. <laughs> probably better off <laughs> not. To be Talk thing, about what, naive, yeah. old man. What, what you done? <laughs> Whenever I read West Ham football autobiographies from your era, everyone says John Lyle was a tough negotiator. Yeah, was that your experience? Like yeah. he treated it like it was his own money. Oh, it was. It, I signed big contracts. I can't remember what it was, about 600 quid a week at the time, I think. Signed my contract. And he went, if you start well in the first couple of weeks, come and see me. You know, have a good pre-season. Yeah, yeah. Come and see me and we'll we'll up it, you know. So signed me three-year contract. Soppy as a sack load, you know, I've signed it. Anyway, I started well. Pre-season, good pre-season, getting all these rave reviews. Started well, season. I thought, right, time to knock on the I door. I know what's coming here. Picked up, picked on a Friday, didn't I? So... Team sheet's gone up. We're going to Man United. Uh, it's knocked on the door. And I went, John, I won't have a word about my contract. Not on a Friday, son. If you really? don't do it day before a game. I've gone, oh, all right. He said, come see me Monday. I went up to United, gave a goal away, bad back pass. Worst game of your life. And I thought, yeah, worst game. <laughs> I, I thought, I've still got a front out. I've got to knock on the door. I knocked on the door and he went, you want to you wanna take a wage decrease? <laughs> <laughs> Would that, was, would that have been the norm then? Like the player would go in, speak yeah, to the manager yeah. about money and, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that? That's you just mad. knocked on the door, go and have a word. And well, John ran the whole club. He ran and the whole club. And then he would say, yes, you can have yeah, a deal. He, no, you can't. He would be the one who said yes or no or whatever. He ran it from top to bottom. Wow. He was he was some man. I wish you guys all met him, you know. He was some man. Wow. And then you get put with uh, Alvin Martin as roommate. Yeah, Alvin. Yeah. I, mean, I know where you're going. <laughs> There's a story in the book. You speed reader. <laughs> about the toothpaste. Well, Alvin, to Alvin was different to me. We, we were a good partnership, you know, really, really good partnership, good friends. So we were rooming together. and um, But he was one of those who sort of, 
got up really early in the morning and went to bed early at night. And I was like, go to bed, watch yeah. it till the TV finish, you know, watch every film under the sun and get up late. So he said, he used to say, he used to get under the covers like that while I was watching the telly. And he said, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'll go down for breakfast. He used to have his breakfast. He used to do it all right, Alvin. Drew used to drive me mad. So I said, okay, mate, go on, go down for breakfast. But I said, when you come in, creep in, like, you know, you know, creep back in. Don't wake me up. I'll still be in bed at half past 10, you know? So he come back in and he's he's been for a walk. He like, does his walk and all that, gets some fresh air, you know, proper pro, you know? Yeah. So, and then, and then he come in and he goes, oh, all right, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right, mate. I'm awake. Don't worry. Yeah, come in. Like, you know. I wasn't, but I am now. And I am now. So anyway, he walks in. He went, oh. yeah. I said, good walk. Yeah, yeah, good breakfast, mate. He said, yeah. I said, uh, how's everything? He went, oh, he said, but I've been in the bathroom. He said, I've been using your toothpaste. I couldn't get a lava. And I went, my toothpaste? You couldn't get a lava? He said, the thing with the applicator on the end of it. I went, that's my hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Alvin. And that, he, <laughs> that might explain a lot what Alvin's like now, to be fair. He talks out of his backside, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> nah, was funny. Yeah. Of course, I told the lads, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> you got it. The that boys, of, boys of 86, famous, the highest league position West Ham have ever attained. What a team it was. And uh, I just wanted to call out Alan Devonshire. You mentioned him in the book. And everyone from that era says, what a player he was. I just find it unbelievable. He was like basically in a factory one day. And yeah. playing for West Ham the next. Incredible. How does a talent like that get missed? He was a Hoover factory and he, he used to drive one of them things, you know, the forklift driver. And it's, it's so funny that he was a forklift driver but never passed his driving test and still hasn't to this day. Well, doesn't drive. drive oh, right. Yeah, oh, no. but no, no, forklift <laughs> driver <laughs> right, right. but couldn't drive a car. Yeah. And, so and I, still I was, can't now. Yeah, no, still can't now. I was his chauffeur. I think he owes me about 24 grand in <laughs> petrol money. <laughs> picking him up but um and he's a lazy so-and-so but he's my, like one of my best pals you know but he was genuinely world class genuinely world class because you play against players and you play with players and you think you could give him a ball in any situation and he had that horrible cruciate injury mm. and he came back and he was still the best player in our team when you know when operations for cruciates weren't too clever and he he's, he couldn't fully flex his knee what age but, was he when he did that Oh, Dev would have been about 27, something like that. Oh, and then like he that. came back and oh, honestly, he just, people would back off him and he would beat players and he hadn't, hadn't gone past them because they were backing off and they were so afraid. He could go right, he could go left, he could play off the strikers. And he was just, he's just so down to earth, just so down to earth. He liked to bet. Yeah, he likes himself a bit. He had long hair. <laughs> oh, that. I was going to say, look, it, it, iconic look. He looked, he looked say, like D'Artagnan, If you were driving <laughs> him, you must have some stories on him. Uh, oh, oh Dev. None that we can probably say. But, no, but he looked like, uh, you know, he had a, he tried to look like a film star and everything. But you want to see the state of him now? He's put on weight. He's gone <laughs> yeah, bald. I didn't recognise him. The first time I saw him, I didn't recognise him. Yeah. Because if I do functions like I do with Ginger. If I'm doing it with Dev, I say, hey, everyone, this is Alan Devonshire's granddad. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of iconic looks to that, that mid-80s West Ham team, Frank McAvenny, platinum blonde. But you mentioned <sighs> the book that one day you discovered uh, he was another famous West Ham Ginger player because of an old <laughs> sticker book. Yeah, so, and when he went in the shower, we checked him downstairs. That's <laughs> all <laughs> so you could tell now. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have, we, no one had the phones or... You know, a little bit of C-Fax or Teletext. You're too young, you two, aren't you? But uh, when we saw McAvenny, we thought, who's he? You know, couldn't even pronounce his name, McAvenny. You know, yeah. Macabelli, I call him now because <laughs> he's put a bit of weight on. But um, 
<laughs> so he signs, and uh, the only way you could sort of gain a bit of information about a Scottish player was through Panini sticker books. And I don't know if you're too old, young for that. Familiar, yeah. yeah anyway, no, so no. all the books, it was all the Premier League. You've got all your stickers. And at the back, it was Glasgow Rangers, Glasgow Celtic, and some starlets, some, you know, up and comings. And Frank was in the St. Mirren one, black and white strip like this. And we've had a look, and he's got ginger out. His teeth are a bit manky, like, you know, <laughs> oh, can't wait to give him some stick. And he turns up the first day, he's got blonde hair, cap teeth, All everything. Really he looked stuff. like Shergar. Yeah. <laughs> so we knew that from the first time he played, we knew we had a player. Yeah. We knew we had a player. And I'll tell you, what a bloke. What a bloke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've met him a few yeah, times, yeah. haven't you? You'd love to I have mean, played. Ginge, you'd either be great in our team or not. Oh, definitely. We'll just, get just, of just, a, just an episode. Yeah. You might need an interpreter in the corner. <laughs> so much has been written and said about that boys of 86 team. But I wondered, for younger fans, if you, if you were going to tell a younger fan to go watch the highlights from a single game to understand what that team was about, what game would you say go watch the highlights from? Uh, we just came back live on the telly and we played Man United at home. And they were up the top. Uh, Jasper Olsen, Mark Hughes, Brian Robson, Norman Whiteside, Paul McGrath. Uh, just rattle all the names off, couldn't you? And we played them at home and it was live and Saint and Greavesy with the, the, they had their little double act on the Sunday football and we played them live and we beat them 2-1 and we battered them, battered them 2-1. Uh, what a game of football. And I watch it, still watch it now and again and I can't believe how quick it was. And they say the game's got quicker. And how many goal mouth scrambles there was. Yeah. It was end to end, muddy pitch, people sliding into each other, everyone getting up. Someone, uh, Robbo dislocated his shoulder, Brian Robson, dislocate, tried to play on, dislocated his shoulder, like Unreal. trying to put it in a sling. Uh, and he had to go off. But everybody just getting up and get on with it. Like there was a bit of, you know, a bit of needle between of players. But everyone was just like, get up and just get on with it. And after the game, shake all shake hands. hands, all go into the. The bar we was talking about. <laughs> players bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Players doesn't, doesn't, doesn't happen anymore. We've got to ask about this. The old players bar at Upton Park, when it was the old West Stand, can you describe it for us? And what was a typical kind of, what would happen after games? Well, uh, the dressing room, uh, at the back end of the dressing room, was uh, you went through the toilets in the dressing room and the showers, and you'd go into a gym. That's where we warmed up because we never... I thought you up. was going to say there was a fridge with beers in it. <laughs> I was going to say that sometimes. No, it, it was a... Uh, a gym, Ginger. Honestly, it was like, it was not as big as this, not as big yeah, as this room. You're in the players' lounge now. And that's, yeah, it? that's where we used to train. That was the gym, like warm up before the game, put on our Dunlop green flashes that we all bit, had hanging up on the wall. Yeah. Uh, go in the gym, get warmed up. What, you know. what, what does that mean, getting warmed up? A little, no, 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 proper warm up, you know, your stretches and yeah. things like that. It wasn't as amateur as everybody thinks it was. It, everybody, like these are powerful athletes we're talking about. Mm. Bonzo be block tackling the wall and I've seen him nutting the door. He's like, Bonzo's a lunatic, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then there was a door at the end of it. After the game, you walk through the gym and it was a player's bar. And afterwards, what, well, sorry, before the game, whoever was captain or not playing maybe, you would go and give the opposition some passes. passes I'm sure it's the, the same. Yeah, it's probably the same. Well, I mean, yeah. And they used to come into the bar afterwards and like... Families or that? Or all, just players? all families yeah, and players. Nice. And it was brilliant. And Dixie weren't playing once. Uh, Norm, you know, Dick, he 
the fat geezer after cheers. We called him Norm, <laughs> didn't we? You know. <laughs> so Norm's not playing one game. So he's in there playing with all our kids. You know what he's like, Norm. He just loves smashing balls about, yeah. didn't he? So uh, I'm in the bar just after the game, and Norm hadn't played. My my little boy's about six. He's come in. Julian's broke my wrist. I went. What are you talking about? Dixie smashing balls. He's that trying to hit. Foot. He's, he's lining all our children up against the wall, trying to smash balls at them. Really? <laughs> and we've all seen him hit a ball as and, well. And they all thought it. They all, the kids thought it was funny, and Dixie did as well. And I said, <laughs> "Norm, what are you doing? Broke his wrist. He actually did, did break, break his wrist. wrist. Yeah. Oh my oh, god. Wow. We had a, didn't have a left foot on him. Yeah. Did. No, <laughs> lovely geezer and all. Norm. Yeah. yeah. How so? How big was the players' lounge? We're in the current players' lounge at the London Stadium. There. How does it compare to this size wise? Uh, about a third of this. Wow, a third of this, yeah. Blimey. But that made it good, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Intimate. when Paul Ince came back after when he was came back when he played his first game, Man United. I remember Claire coming back, his wife sitting with my family. It was just really intimate, really good, really good. And there was never any ag between players. Oh, really? So the away teams coming in as yeah, well? Yeah, the away teams used to come I, in. I sort of caught the yeah. back end of that. Like certainly my Cardiff days, it was always both teams in the mm. in the players' bar, families and all that. It was, it was a good time after. Like you could t- you'd, you'd talk to the opposition about, yeah. about the game and what Would that go thought. through to the Premier League era? Is that still like 2006, um, 7? Has it ended by then? Probably a little bit. First time at West Ham. I used to go, come out of Epson Park straight across and there was a, there was a bar there. Uh, probably not so much the away team. When I was when I came to West Ham in those early days, but um, certainly all the boys would be in there with their family. Yeah. Yeah. Did they come in here since we've been here? Did everyone come in here? The away team? No, I wait. I wouldn't away team straight out of the dressing room on the bus. Now I think I think that's uh, pretty pretty standard. I don't yeah. think there's much mingling after the game anymore like there used to be. Used Which is a shame because you used to, like I said, you do know players in. The, I know it's, I'm not a big fan of all the shirt swapping and hugging and all that. Do you know what I mean after a game on the cameras out there? But I did used to like coming in and speaking to the opposition and. You know, having a bit of a debrief, seeing what they it, thought. And... Is that why this, all the hugging and that is happening on the pitch, though? Because you Possibly, don't get a chance yeah. to do it after. Uh, well, we yeah. couldn't swap shirts, otherwise you wouldn't have had one. And it's <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> skins, skins v. Kit. Brilliant. Um, I want to talk about one of the most infamous moments of your career, the sending off in the FA Cup semi-final 1991 against Nottingham Forest. Oh, I remember being a kid. Oh. Me and Ginger were talking about I remember being a kid being completely outraged watching this on telly. I watched it back yesterday you with my modern me, eye. Yeah, I can't and believe I, that. And now I think that's a red Ginger. It's, it's, a, it's a red now. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't back then. If, if that's going to be AR, Gary Crosby's he's Oh, no, he's gone. That's, he's gone. Um, <laughs> it was a different, a different change. It was a, like, first of all, it was a professional foul, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Then it was denying a goal scoring opportunity. Then it was something else. Then it was something else. And it's, it's no, something else all the way I, down. Yeah. I remember Paul Allen in the 1980 FA Cup final, wasn't yeah. he? He's through one goal, gets taken out, and the Arsenal defender Willie gets Young. a yellow. And you watch it, and you think, what? Yeah. And then, so this is 11 years later than that. But to be the first recipient of it, the rule came out on the Wednesday, I get sent off on the Sunday. Uh, and there had been occasions in those games, before, you know, after the, even from the Wednesday, and then all of a sudden, he wants to make a name for himself. I was going to say, he's, tr- he's trying to make a, this a new rules yeah. come in. He's trying to make a stand, and he and he, he did make a name for himself. Yeah. For the West Ham fans, yeah, but <laughs> still talked about to this day. Yeah, you mentioned your West Ham career comes comes to an end, and you have a a testimonial the day after the last game of the season, Republic of Ireland. Only eight thousand fans there, and you said you're forever in their debt. I was one of the eight thousand. Oh, thanks, mate. You don't win your money back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. I do. I will be nicking a copy of the book. That was the worst thing. A a little bit, not bitter, but they could have done it at a better time, the testimonial. We played at home on a Saturday. 
and my game's on the Sunday, Sunday the next day. Yeah. So we get 30-odd thousand for Southampton. I think it was 3-3 free free we drew. Yeah. Tiss got a late equaliser, free kick. And uh, I have to play the next day. So as 32,000 fans are going to come back the next day. Yeah. So thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I, made, I made the effort. How that, much that did you pay to get in? That, that was quite a thing back in your though. time, though, Tom, wasn't it? The, the testimonial. Yeah. 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 Did you not uh, have one that was... Do I remember a story? There was a you knew eleven in one seat. There was something. There was a stat. You've no consecutive seasons testimonials. Yeah, so oh, I can't remember them all. But Alvin, Dev, Parksy, Georgie Paris, Paul Hilton, me, Stevie Potts, Jeff Pike. I say there's more. It was like ten well consecutive remember. testimonial seasons, and uh, you don't. Uh, and uh, to give you a clue on the money kind of side of it we did all different functions during the season yeah. and and it was tax-free because it was a testimonial mm. uh so you had golf dues you had dues up the grove now the lancaster you had it here there and everywhere great it's a great year dog nights you know yeah. the, the greyhounds i think 106 grand was what i made for that year the whole Ooh, year yeah. Yeah. yeah and what year the whole was that year. Um, 1934. <laughs> is to get a five-star rating or review from you. Support me and Ginger on the podcast, chuck us a five-star rating and review, and help us rocket up the charts where West Ham belong, at the top of the table. Back on with the show. Your career has an unbelievable footnote to it. So you re released from West Ham 1994, you're training with Barnet, and then you get a phone call. To go join Kenny Dalglish's Blackburn Rovers, who will be challenging for the title. What an unbelievable story. Well, that's luck. That's what I call luck. And, and and when players win titles, there are players, you know, when you you get other players like, you know, say Gary Neville playing for Man United. Like, I think I could have played behind Ronaldo and David Beckham all my <laughs> career. Do you know what I mean? And Kanchelskis and all that. Although Gary was a good player as well. But you get... You're just in the right place at the right time. And you could grow up within a team, end up in a Premier League team, or you could get a lovely transfer at the right time and you're in it. And this all just happened. And Kevin Moran had retired, uh, Republic of Ireland International. He was their most experienced player. I was 34, 35 at the time. And I was training at Barnet, as you said, just to keep fit. I'd off offers to go America, Japan. Now you're thinking, oh, no, I'm going to go down the leagues. Here we yeah. go. You know what I mean? Oh, I've got to do all this, you know. Mrs. Oh, I don't want to move yeah. and all that. But um, so all of a sudden, I leave it and leave it and leave it. And in two weeks, I'm planning. I, a mate of mine rang up to plan this round-robin non-league tournament. I went, can I play? And he went, you, you want to play with us? You play West Ham? I went, yeah, Wildstone against Farnborough. So I go and play with Wildstone. That's Andy, 90 minutes fitness. Come off and then I get the call. Can you get Kenny yourself up to um, Parkhead? Yeah, we didn't have the mobile. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the missus, missus didn't even know who it was because she didn't like football at the time. Yeah. And it was like, um, oh, there's a Mr. Dogfish has rung like, you know, and no, it's Kenny <laughs> Dalglish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Ray Harford, who's my one of my first coaches at Fulham, he was the assistant manager. They didn't have a centre-back at the time. Can you get yourself up to playing a friendly against Celtic? 
of course I can. Bomb. I played the next day after right. that Willstone game. And then they said, can you sign a contract for the year? And I was like, well, I might do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you have five minutes to yeah, think yeah. about it, please. And our next game was at Wembley in the Charity Shield wow. against uh, Man United. You know, Canton use you know, obviously I've been used to playing against all those players, but but all of a sudden I was the experienced player. The, the next oldest to me was Colin Hendry, 27. So we had a really a young squad. Young squad. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Shearer was 23, Sutton was 21. Sherwood. Sherwood was 24. Young Ian Pearce, another West Ham legend. Yes, he, mm. he played in the second half of the season. He was my mentor. Piercy, keep rubbing his head. Really <laughs> nervous, Piercy, when he's like that. Great geezer, Piercy. Uh, but they were like my two little kids, Sutton and Piercy, were staying at the hotel. And they were the southern base players in that Blackburn team, along with Tim, Tim Sherwood. So we sort of, Sutton and Piercy, always... Oh, there was they had a couple of young girlfriends at the time, and yeah. I was going, I was like, oh no, you know, driving me mad. Uh, what do we do? She's had a go at me, going, oh, come on, boys, grow up. <laughs> do, you know, like, a, like a and now I've got the girlfriends to coming to me, like I'm going, oh, we didn't. But also, but in that preseason for Blackburn, so you're playing at Wheelstone, you sign for Blackburn, then you play Barcelona in a preseason for Blackburn alongside him, and think you win three nil. Uh, yeah, um, three three one, I think three, they one. had to play six friendlies outside of the new Camp because they had to get to the provinces. So they beat a Man United in the European Cup at, at, at the time. You know, uh, Hadji, uh, Romario. Yeah. I think team. Pep played. I'm not sure if Pep played as yeah. well. Uh, the butcher, uh, Nadal, you know, <laughs> the butcher of Barcelona at the back. So uh, we, we are, of Barcelona. Yeah, do you remember him, Miguel Nadal? I don't think well, I do. Proper, I'm going to look him proper centre back. Yeah, Miguel Nadal. So we're play, they, we get all of a sudden it's we're top of the league at, at Blackburn, but this is obviously a lucrative friendly. They have to play six friendlies out of the new camp. So we think, oh, it's just going to be a friendly. We go over there. There's no training thing. We got a poxy journey over there, and I, oh, I just want to get this game out of the way. Then uh, we're we're in the hotel. And uh, Colin Hendry's being rested for the game, so I'm playing with Piercy, and I'm rooming with Piercy, and he's going, rubbing his head. <laughs> we are up against Romario tonight, I mean, I'll, I'll Piercy, just go to sleep. Have a, just have two <laughs> hours. It's only a friendly, anyway. But then, of course, we get the police escort to go to the ground. Piercy's like, I think he's going to play Romario. <laughs> anyway, we get to the ground, and it's, and we out getting to the stadium an hour and a half before, 25,000. I can't remember where it was. Ram to the rafters singing the Barca song, you know, wow. Barca, yeah. Barca, Barca. I thought, hold on, this ain't going to be it's a not, friendly. It's not friendly today. <laughs> it's not friendly today. Anyway, there was a big pitch, row yeah. on the pitch. There was a fight in the tunnel. Um, Geordie Cruyff, he got sent off. Yeah, uh, Shearer got at trick. And he, because uh, they were playing Spain, England were going to be playing Spain in the Euros. Alan decides he's going to lay a marker on B Miguel Nadal. He's <laughs> God, done, he could have he, picked someone better. By I know, the like, of it. Bang, he's done him. But uh, Shearer got a couple of goals or he might have got the hat trick. We beat him. And, it, oh, it was a great day. We had to have a police escort out the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but what, and then we're back home to play at the weekend. That's bad, uh, isn't it? But it wouldn't happen nowadays, would it? Oh, it wouldn't mate. happen. Yeah. But Romario was playing and Piercy, like, obviously he was the lone striker and he was, most teams played with pairings then, but that Barcelona were a little bit ahead Didn't of the tactic. with him. And he's playing in between us and he's going, I'll go in and mark him. I'll go in and mark him. <laughs> <laughs> it's Romario, so it's Romario. <laughs> was you like was you a bit was you like that at all? Think about players that you used to play against like the night before. Uh, I always tell a story, I tell it in the Q and A's. 
And I was I was never one for thinking about players before a game, but Drogba. I say it, I say it when we yeah, speak. you said didn't every you? time we used to play against Drogba, thinking, yeah, this is going to be a tough, this Oof. is going to be a tough afternoon. But did you have anything like that when you was playing, or you just well, you knew you knew it was going to be tough. I wasn't frightened of anyone or anything like that, and sure you wasn't. Uh, but you knew Drogba, but you kind of grew for that yeah, one, didn't yeah. you? Like, it was when you switch off, wasn't it? And then you get surprised yeah. by lesser players. But we were in an era where you, everyone had pairings up yeah. front, Rush and Dalgleish, Wright and Smith, Lineker and Sharp, you know, and like you could name all the, Cotty McAverney, all the pairings. And we had our hands for centre-backs. A lot of the time we were two on two, but nowadays centre-backs are in comfort land, aren't they? Yeah. Especially when you got the ball, no pressure, passing it backwards and forwards between each other. We always had a little bit of pressure on us all the time. But you, if you wanted to play like, Alvin and myself could play football at the back. You had to earn the right to play. So you had to stop them first and then play. But the pairings were, were brilliant. Drogba was your... was he? Nemes did he always ne have a good guy? He's your nemesis. I, I've probably always had Ginger, a Ginger, I was looking for the word there. You're yeah, teaching yeah. me. I'm sorry. <laughs> nemesis. Yeah, it's not, not like... I wouldn't say I was like you're not scared, like you say, but it's just one of them. You know, you probably had, I probably had three or four bad games and then he's in your head then, isn't he? Do you know what oh. I mean? And it was always tough because... One game, I think, right, it's Drogba. I try and give him a kick, and he might, you know, some of some of them melt, and you know, you have an easy game. But with 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 Didier, he just had everything. Well, kick you him, were, like it, you'd get a bit. You bigger. were a physical centre back, mm. weren't you? So you would want to like that, yeah. and he he kind of invited that, like didn't it, yeah. he? Yeah. yeah, he didn't mind that. Yeah. One of the few sort of modern day players, like all our ones, like Mark Hughes was terrific. You know, like, give yeah. it, took it. Mickey Arthur, who I was speaking about. Give it, took it, but it he was rare then, wasn't he? Yeah. R really, but he was he had everything, didn't Talk, he? Drogba. Yeah, he did. Talking about strikers, and obviously we talked about it, you played with him, Alan Shiva, one of the best. Yeah, best well, you played with, uh, the, forwards. Uh, the best. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Frank. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the best, yeah, and he he had a proper good attitude about him. Mm. You know, you, you'd be in tunnels, Ganag, you know, against Man United, and you could see the opposition want to talk to him, and he was like. Really? You know, bang. Yeah. And he was like, I remember playing uh, Liverpool and Ruddock was playing and he was his mate. He was Alan's mate. And uh, he kept digging Alan, like, you know, coming through from behind. And I was like, uh, like that. And then Alan went, Ruddock fell on the floor and Alan was going down the channel, uh, down the channel. And he just trod all over Ruddock. Yeah. <laughs> he was going yeah. down like, but he sent two best mates and they were both, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that. But it was, Shearer was top. I mean, you must have played against you. Played against him late on, Newcastle, yeah. Still then, he was still the same then. Couldn't really run as much then, could he? We we played at Upton Park. Quick Shiro story. We played at Upton Park. It was Shiro and Owen up front. Remember it. We lost 4-1. Michael Owen got a hat-trick. Alan Shiro was the best player on the pitch by a mile. Didn't score a goal. Just the stuff he was doing. He wasn't big, was he? No, oh, really. No. But he was just strong. He could edit. He'd get up. When he was just... Yeah, we lost 4-1 and he was the best player on the pitch by an absolute mile. And, and, he Owen, had, and Owen scored a hat-trick. He was a bit like Teddy. They had that ability to, to hang in the air. Yeah. And it's difficult to explain to like people like when you're playing against the top players. David Speedy was another one. And like sometimes, you know, you just got to watch the ball, haven't you? Yeah. But when they jump before you and you tend to go, oh, you got to jump. And they just could have, I don't know how they've done it. And they, none of them can explain it, but they could hang. And you think... Sparky was the same. Mark and you're Hughes on your way same. down and they're still going up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Alan could shape his headers as well. Like he could get... Balls came in from the left or the right and he could get a shape on a header. 
I think he's done one against me that game I'm talking about, the 4 1. I think Al did one where he's, I'm gone up for a header with him. He's flicked it on and got on the end of his own flick on. (laughs) So it does say a lot about my pace, to be honest, because Al was probably 36 at the time. But he was just, yeah. He was brilliant. There's uh, not many of them could do it, like relieving pressure, you know, like because yeah. he'd run at the ball to accept it, and you get try and get tight, and then he stop, and you go straight into him. Yeah, foul. Oh. You know, he was he was the best at that master. But having said that, Chris Sutton, who was his foil, what a good player he was as yeah, well. What a partnership that was. Yeah. But and just quickly, you win the league at Blackburn, or like I say, a tremendous footnote to your career. But West Ham fans will be interested in the fact that obviously there's a lot of drama. May '95, West Ham draw against Manchester United, Blackburn lose at Liverpool, but that draw that West Ham attained basically gives Blackburn the title. And I heard a rumor that you got the whole Blackburn dressing room at Anfield to give a chorus of bubbles. Well, they deserved it, the boys, didn't they? I rung them up in the, <clears throat> I rung Bishop in the midweek. Ian, Ian Bishop, well. Good player, great lad. So I ring him up in midweek and they were already safe, West Ham, going into that Man United game. And I said, look, Bish, I said, do us a favour. You've got to really try against these because we've got a difficult game at Anfield to try and get the, get the title. And he went, I said, you've got to be on it, you lot. He went, Tom, we're on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard players from that team tell me that. That, they, like... they, that, that week was so relaxed. Like, yeah, yeah, didn't, yeah. Even... didn't Big Ludo have the game of his life? Oh, Ludo, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Ludo, yeah. So it, it, it's, every time I see Ludo now, he says, you should give me half that medal. <laughs> I bet he does. Oh, or the bonus. Like, and, he, the bonus. and he ain't even got a sense of humour, Ludo. <laughs> but that was really funny, you know? <laughs> but I was just watching it on a monitor as an arm next to Kenny in the dugout because I was, I was all tracksuited up watching the game in the dugout with Kenny and Ray. And uh, they got the monitor from the West Ham game. Ludo's pulling off save after save. And I'm going, oh, 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 oh. Kenny keeps looking back like this, looking back and they go, when you shut your... Mouth, you know, yeah. like concentrate. Like, and I went, oh, he's having a blinder, Gaffer. He's having a blinder. Ludo's having a blinder. Save, 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 you know. Then it got tense at the end, didn't it? And Jamie Redknapp scores a goal for Liverpool, beats us. Now we're depending on it. And then wow. we hear the result and bang, the whole place erupted. And the Liverpool fans were pleased for us because yeah. they love Kenny. They don't oh, like Man course, United. Yeah. And they stayed for our lap of lap of honour, oh, cheer, cheering us. And it, it was brilliant. And it showed the... Uh, should we say the honesty of the Premier League that West Ham could draw saved us and Liverpool beat us that would have turned it over for Man United so it's the honesty of the Premier League isn't it yeah where'd you keep the medal have you still got it I lost it for about three months yeah when I what after the celebrations the first uh, three months or (laughs) (laughs) no I went home give it to me dad I said uh, look after that for us and um, it was in every cab shelter in London he was taking it (laughs) round And, and I come back and I went, where's my medal? And I, I couldn't find it. And I went, you ain't got me medal, have you? And he went, yeah, yeah, I've got it. So, so I don't put it out on a In thing. a cupboard somewhere. I went to get it valued. Yeah. I thought, um, not that I was going to sell it, because I went to get it cleaned and it got, it's only, it's crappy medal. It's like, <laughs> oh, no. It's like so disappointing. I go around Paul Parker's house. He's got like little replica Premier League trophies. Yeah, Ted, uh, Ted's like got where the same. One. Ted's got the same yeah, for the trouble. Yeah, one's a crappy little golf thing. So it got a bit dirty. So I took it down to jewellers. I went, couldn't clean that up for me, could you? And he went, that's a Premier League medal. I went, yeah. I said, do us a favour. Can you value it? And when I come in tomorrow, not going to sell it. Or Insurance anything. purposes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not in a wink. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So um, go back the next day. And I went, um, how much is it worth? He went, well, how much is it worth to you? And I went, oh, it's worth a lot to me. But how much is it worth? And he went, nothing. I ain't even gold. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's just gold plated around the rim. 
So it's like just a normal medal. Oh, you know, wow. our, our fakes that, yeah. <laughs> huh? they, they should try and get them back, I think. Remake yeah. them for the, uh, for the old yeah, boys. Yeah, I'll soon, soon have one of Paul's ones. Te yeah. Teddy's. What was Teddy's? Yeah, what's Teddy's? Teddy uh, Ted's, he's obviously won the treble, the Champions League. His cabinet display was off the, he's, he's off the charts, still in the house. Oh. I've been around his house a couple of times. Yeah. After dinner, I had a couple of wines and trying to get on his shoulders to get it out of the cabinet and that. But it's all there. It's incredible. <laughs> Dean Ashton says he's been around his house and he said, he, like, when he first signed, he was like... "It was." It's one of them. Ted's trophy. He, when he went to United, uh, he won, like, player of the year. Then he, late, he, was, he was late on, 30, 36, I think he was, Ted. But everything, everything in Ted, he's got everything in it. It's oh, just unreal. I all the against, medals. I played up. against Ted when he was at Millwall, up front with Tony Cascarino. And when he was at... Not in the forest and at Spurs, Man United. So, uh, but what, what a bloke! I mean, yeah. it, it, obviously, Jim's played with him. Get him, him on. We'll get him yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, we'll get. Lo it. We'll lovely get geezer. Yeah. Great guy. We're going to end Tony with some quick fire questions. I don't I'm want intrigued you to about these. I don't want yeah, you to think I'm too nervous much about now. It. I'm, I'm no. nervous. Just want you to relax. I'm good at that. Whatever Not comes thinking. out. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Colton are good at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question. Best moment in a West Ham shirt. Oh, no, uh, it would have been beating Ipswich and we thought we were going to win it, take it into the in the last, well, we did take it into the last weekend. So beating Ipswich and it was one game to go, yeah. Oh, wow. Is that 86? Yeah. Yeah. Favourite holiday destination? Do you know, I've been all over the world, but I still love Tenerife. I still love Tenerife. Yeah, so that feels but like pound, a Tony Gale destination. Yeah, it does. It does pound a it? pint. Red Lion. Pound yeah. a pint or go for a nice posh vodka and tonic over there, yeah. <laughs> posh vodka and tonic. <laughs> this is that's coming from the man who's on, hol on, on holiday quite a lot at the minute as well, let me yeah. tell you. You've always got a great tan tone, to be if fair. She, she wants to go everywhere. I'm like, oh, can't we go back to Tenerife? Tenerife <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Which actor is playing you in the film of your life? Oh. Which actor? It's got to be Robert Redford, isn't it? Oh, oh nice. a young Robert Redford. A young, young Robert yeah, Redford. Oh, yeah, he's got the tan. Yeah. Um, celebrity crush. Oh, I used to love the lady out of Hill Street Blues. You don't know, don't remember <laughs> oh, her. Her name was Veronica Hemmel. She was a darling. She was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, okay. She was the police uh, detective's wife, and she was a barrister as well. Veronica. Hemmel. I can see a look of love in his eyes yeah, as, he's, yeah, as, he's, yeah, as he's telling that story. Get all misty eyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite cheat meal cheat meal pie mash oh yeah, oh, yeah. lovely All liquor or gravy oh no double 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 double, double pie double. double mash double liquor I had it the weekend yeah. I had it the weekend <laughs> you can only listen to one musical artist for the rest of your life Who Stevie you Wonder oh great that choice. was easy that great was quick choice. Stevie Wonder played a lot in the dressing room up to part do you ever get O-Blaster up to no, part no one, no no we no, didn't no, do that oh no that would drive me mad all that stuff yeah well, I've had Frank Sinatra in there. We'd have all fell asleep. I've done, I've, I've done a few strange ones, to be fair. The, when I was playing, the boys putting music on, and I just wanted to put Johnny Cash on. But no, the, yeah, bo the boys weren't having it. He's a bit old school. Johnny right? Cash or the he's, Dubliners? Yeah, nah, it didn't go down well. Uh, well, Ring of Fire might have worked for you, Tony. But yeah, <laughs> after a curry. <laughs> uh, best film of all time. Oh, I love it. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance oh, Kid. Brilliant. Never seen that. Have or, you not? No. Oh, you got to watch oh, that. Or the, the Sting. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Best friend in football? Uh, probably Dev. Yeah, Alan Devonshire. Yeah, it's nice. So quickly, you, you boys from and back, Parksy. Yeah, I was going to say you boys from back then. You all still, you all still really and close. Alvin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was exactly. going to say. Well, it is a I'm small squad. You all, you all still really close because I've been going out and doing a few bits with the with the boys. They're all still so close from that time. It's unbelievable. It is wonderful. 
Oh, so you yeah. were not all in a WhatsApp chat together. You're having a laugh. Dev wouldn't know how to do it. <laughs> Got a <laughs> Nokia. No, no yeah. we, we, we bit old school. We ring each other up. Oh, okay. Have a chat, yeah. Uh, opponent from your playing days that you wouldn't want to run into again. Uh, what's it, what do you mean by that? Is, like, like, is there someone like someone you used again. to play against? Yeah, there was a geezer. Like... There was a geezer called Billy Whitehurst. He was proper odd. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mick Harford as well, though, wasn't he? Mick he, was Mick yeah, was hard was, as well. Yeah, no, Mick no was hard, but Billy was proper odd. Really? Yeah, proper yeah. odd. Final question: Pomp. Tony Gale in his pomp. What's that? 86, would you say, was the was peak Tony Gale? Uh, Arguably 95, to be fair. No, no, probably 86. <laughs> You're right. You're right. 86. How much is 1986 Tony Gale's worth in today's market? <sighs> what price? What value? Oh, I should let other people judge that. I should say. let other people. That's All right. Well, he falls well, on Ginge then. Let, let, <laughs> Ginge wouldn't have even seen me. I'd go 1.5 mil. <laughs> <laughs> A week, a week, a week, yeah. Uh, you mean wages, Ginch? Yeah. Where'd you put a number on it? It's uh, hard. I think hard on, work. You hard put work one on yourself. Pop centre-back, ball playing. I'm uh, going to say 20, 20 mil, 25. Uh, more than that. Yeah, well, I, I would have gone more. <laughs> more? Yeah, I oh, gone more. yeah. Well, I'm better than Zuma. Better than Ogbono. Better than Aguirre. What are they on? 30 mil. I'd go. 30 mil. I'll give myself. About 80 mil. Which, 80? <laughs> right. Depends where we're going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Tony, it's been a pleasure chatting with Brilliant, you. Tom. The book is Tony Gale, That's Entertainment. Unbelievably, your first autobiography. All the stories are in there. It's a cracking read. Are you going to be doing some signed copies? Can anyone come out and get a uh, signed one? Yeah, I'm going out and about doing it around. Uh, don't know when this is going out, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going it out and around everywhere. So, yeah. And it's good because you bump into all the fans as well. It's it's good. It'd be yeah, a great read. Brilliant. Though. It's a cracking read. Can Tony you read? Can I can you read? Some <laughs> <laughs> great pictures in it. A bit as better well. than Coley. I'll tell you all uh, the stories. I'll tell you all the stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the memories, Tony Gale. Thanks for your time, Chris. And brilliant, Ginge. Tom. Brilliant. Lovely. And you lot. Podcast Network.